0: When I actually got into doing my own business, that's when it hit me, uh, going, oh my God, I know nothing about business. Being a good designer and being a nice person and connecting with people doesn't make a business. I didn't understand uh, hardly anything, to be honest. And I think the, the scary thing is I didn't really understand business. So how can I be working with other businesses to help them be better if I didn't understand how businesses worked?
1: The Business of Architecture and Design is brought to you by Content Brains and presented by Architectural Review Magazine and Australian Design Review. For the final episode in this special series, Chris Boss and Vince Frost share their thoughts on how they balance creativity with the day to day of running a business, learning business skills, mentoring and disruption.
0: How do you manage design time versus business time, Chris?
2: As a designer, you bring a lot of passion to your project and to your work. And somehow there's a very fine line between, between work and not work. But of course, when we talk about business time, like management time, accounting time, organization time, and so on, uh, in, a, in practice, it can be a, a very large percentage. So you kind of have to organize yourself that you free up your time to actually design. Because you don't want to be the person doing all the admin so everybody else around you can design. I mean, that's not why you became designer Mm -hmm. or architect. I think it's important that you keep that passion for design and uh, you outsource things that you can outsource, accounting, bookkeeping, like you outsource cleaning, you know. It would be probably a waste of time you cleaning the office three times a week rather than sitting there designing amazing strategies. So is it frustrating? I'm, I'm actually, when I started the business, I was quite surprised how little I knew about business. Mm, and that's too. maybe an interesting aspect to discuss, you know.
1: Yeah. As, a,
2: as an architect, you learn about everything, but not about business. Mm. You don't learn about staff, You don't learn about taxes. You don't learn about business development. You don't learn about contracts. You almost learn nothing about any of these aspects, which later determine 90% of your success. Totally, you know, if totally you have great. talent or not, is great. You know, all the great architects around the world, are they good business people? Most of them probably not. Yeah. And and that kind of, if you don't know about that, then you empower all the commercial practices, which are not great designers, but they're great in business. Mm. They host client functions. They do business development nonstop. They have business breakfasts. They have contract, contracts that are kind of easy to understand and easy to explain. They have processes on design and construction, like all these kinds of systems in place. And so it took us a while to, to get our heads around that. But now I think we have a more well-oiled machine and yeah. we can concentrate much more than before onto the kind of core uh, capability, which is architectural design and creation.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. When I, when I, want I also to, have, oh, um, go.
2: keep going. No, no. I nope. was
0: just going to the next one with my fellow directors. No, okay, go on. But agree first. I totally agree with what you're saying. I just feel yep. that at design school I learnt very much, you know, the beginning of being a designer, like you know, more graphic design than anything. Answering briefs by yourself. So the whole class would get you know, thirty people would get the same brief and in a way we'd all be quite competitive with each other and we'd all go off and, and work on our own individual solutions and ideas. So what it did, it it kind of created a much more competitive and less collaborative approach to things. It also never, there was never a conversation around the business of design. There was never, it was just kind of like you are a a creative person who's probably misunderstood in the world, hasn't done very good at, you know, academia at school previously. And, you know, (laughs) this is like a last ditch attempt uh, to may have a career out there. But I, I kind of found that, you know, quite soon, uh, well, more so when, when I actually got into doing my own business, that's when it hit me, uh, going, oh, my God, I know nothing about business. You know, being a good designer and being a nice person and connecting with people doesn't make a business. And I didn't understand uh, hardly anything, to be honest. And I think the, the scary thing is I didn't really understand business. So how can I be rec- working with other businesses to help them be better if I didn't understand how businesses worked? So it took a long, long time. And when I realized that that kind of deficit of my learning and experience, I then started to reach out for trying to find some mentors or people who have done it before, people who were successful at business uh, in the design industry. And I started meeting with them. And they might have been like 10, 20, 30 years older than me and and, and quite established. And they helped me to understand uh, how to run a business and just kind of the basic principles but having said that, that's still 27 years ago. And, uh, the you know, every day I find is a is learning. Every day I'm learning how to do the business better and uh, tweaking it and evolving it. And, you know, like today, you know, in this situation today, it's uh, you're feeling incredibly vulnerable. So what are you going to do with this situation, this scenario, which is, you know, never heard of before, but also not sure how long it's going to last, how do you ensure that the business lasts through this how do you, how do you evolve as an organization what 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 are you seeing what are you feeling and how are your clients responding to the situation how can you help them uh, to stay in business or to be more effective at business so there's 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 this this constant kind of like uh, evol- evolving as as an individual but also as a business leader but also as a business itself
2: but you also wrote this uh, book that is called design your life and that's kind of designing your life but it's also about designing your business so it's essentially about having a strategy and not let things just happen as they happen but think about how they can happen and how you can positively shape that happening
0: that's exactly right i mean as an organization i like to help individuals and organizations to be the best they can be and it was like in 2013 i did a talk at the apple store and i was kind of like tired of keep talking about our work and I was a bit kind of, you know, sometimes you go through a midlife crisis every couple of years. And I was, and in one of those moments, I just, I just didn't really feel like doing it. And I just thought, you know, I'm just going to talk about designing your life. And what I'd been through was, again, kind of talking to psychologists and co- you know, business coaches and people like that, uh, nutritionists, a whole bunch of people, just kind of wanting to th- work out how can I be a better person, firstly, uh, to enable me to do. Better work or run a better business because it had come time and time again. I'd kind of hit a wall, and I felt so stressed and frustrated about my life and the the balance of or lack of balance in my life. And that's where I kind of reached out to these different people, and they really helped guide me to understand that your life is one thing; it's it's not separate. You know, the business and and you know your your home life, etc. You know, you are you, and and what you experience in the world is is continuous it's not separated it's not segregated and I also just looked at the way that we tackle projects for our clients often people come in with a problem or an opportunity we agree a budget we agree the timing and we agree a date that it needs to be finished and you know more often than not 99% of the time we get to that point where we achieve that goal we present to the client everyone's happy and then we go off and start to kind of get into production but often you're in your own life, you have these problems that come up or could be reoccurring because they don't get resolved. These problems come up, and there is never, unless it's life-threatening, there never really is a kind of a, a deadline or an agreement or a plan. You just tend to kind of, you know, you get a bit better, and then you kind of get back into the the messy stuff that you were doing before, only to hear it, only for it to repeat again and again. And so I just thought about kind of approaching my personal life problems in the same way that we tackle design problems with design principles. And and it was really interesting to see how, uh, by being very focused on that, that I actually managed to actually achieve some success with that. And I've really enjoyed not just doing that for myself, but also realizing that as you, as you get older and the more you experience through life, that you actually have a lot to share to younger people who are coming up who, in a way, were you way back 27 years ago, starting out. And if you can help them to kind of avoid some of the obstacles in life or have a different perspective on life, which enables them to be better at what they do or happier or healthier, that gives me massive amount of uh, fulfillment. That's a big, long answer. So is your
2: book only for designers or is it for everybody?
0: No, I, I always thought it as being something for the general public. I think a lot of designers follow it and certainly with the podcast now, a lot of designers listen listen to that. But I do because my personal reputation is in is in design. I'm not a, a doctor, I'm no physician or anything like that. And but I do I do most of the podcasts call up I call up a whole bunch of different people who are experts in their fields and, and that is again more like looking for clues and help you know, trying to help other people find answers or solutions to what might be their Stumbling blocks in life, but I do find uh, it incredibly rewarding. I do enjoy connecting people talking to people, and I do like sharing experiences and learning how other people uh, navigate their lives
2: i mean what what's disruption you know in design I mean there's things like we uh, were I mean everything is constantly changing, so the workplace is changing, the way we live is changing, the way we shop is changing yeah and And that is constantly changing our briefs, and people come to us and say, in Vietnam, for example, people don't build big box shopping centers because that's not how people shop. People go shopping in little alleys in little shops, handicrafts, and you know creative little things, so they kind of gather they hunt for their uh for their for the, uh, for, for the shopping experience rather than going into one big thing mm-hmm. where everything is presented to them with the same brands that you see everywhere around the world. Yeah, and I yeah. think China has experienced that recently as well where China has been building big box shopping malls for 10 years mm-hmm. and now how many Prada shops and Louis Vuitton shops do you need in one city? Yeah, yeah. And so now they're all being repurposed into experiential gaming zones and, uh, I don't know, single-origin coffee shops with baristas and so on, yeah. like experiences rather than shops.
0: Well, and on that subject, people are referring them now to as life centers, not shopping centers, and, and it's very much kind of the whole array of kind of things to do, you know, not just the cinema as an alternative to shopping or food, but as you say, games and other other kind of experiences as well. I find when talking about disruption there is a hell of for children. Just talking about disruption, there's a hell of a lot of disruption happening now, specifically in twenty twenty, as we're all sitting at home uh, working off site. That is hugely disruptive. But with that disruption uh, comes new ideas and comes new use of technology or new technology itself, new ways of working, new collaboration. I think we're really changing fast. And know it's been a long time coming I've been questioning what is next, and I've been looking at my business model, thinking, you know, this business model isn't necessarily right today. Our team capability and our team efforts is, and I'd like to expand on that. But in terms of how we run the business, you know, our, our clients are kind of naturally just kind of uh, trying to get away with charging less and less, uh, I know, us charging less and less, and and our fees are are, are sorry, our costs are are. Uh, elevate it to an all-time high, and so it makes it really hard for the business. In fact, even just that makes you rethink: how do we do this business more efficiently? You know, what is it? How can we evolve our business our organization to add more value to our clients? And you're spot on. We talk about experiences; it's all, all about experiences.
2: I mean, the way that I understand that your practice is organized, it's also not one kind of linear office with 150 people sitting in a big room with big screens or big desks, but it's like a network. So the nest idea, right? So we have different kind of groups and they're all interconnected and they're all specialists in different disciplines. Mm. And then you bring them together project wise. And in the way we work like that as well, you know, we have offices around the world mm-hmm. in Germany. We have two offices actually in Berlin and Stuttgart. Mm-hmm. We have an office in Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam and an office in Hanoi in Vietnam. And uh, now we have an office in Parma in Italy as well. Mm. And the office in Sydney, of course. So there's quite a few offices, and some of them are big, some of them are small. But we're all working collaboratively on projects around the world. And what becomes really important then is how do you communicate, how do you set agendas, how do you workshop, how do you exchange files, how do you talk to each other, how do you deal with time zones. That's Mm. actually one of the big ones because that's the time zone is the one thing that you cannot change. Mm. So now it's like six o'clock in Australia, means it's eight o'clock in Berlin. So I'm about to knock off and they're just getting started, you know, so you're in different mindsets and so on. But but that enables you to to work around the clock and to really, so, so that's the kind of fast moving, reactive or proactive approach to business, I think. Yeah. So I would never rent a two and a half thousand square meter space with a big reception and a big uh, office for myself and then put it full of people and expect the jobs to come in. I think the future will be distributed digital networking around the globe, around, uh, across different cultures, languages and time zones.
0: Yeah, I'm not necessarily, you know, with, with, with this situation that we're all working from home, it's something we've been talked we talked about for a long time. The guys have always said, "Hey, you know, it'd be great if we could work at home one day a week." I mean, some of them do, but I guess I'm kind of old school and thinking I'd like I like the people to be in the studio and be seen and being kind of interacting with each other. Uh, there's nothing that gives me more pleasure than seeing that. But I think in terms of the the future of the business, it might be that we are far more uh, remotely based than than in a physical a physical space. And that probably is is really cool because I mean just looking at how we've just embraced technology just in a week, a lot of technology that we've been arming and R'ing about, we've just straight in and using it. And I find it actually far more effective, far more focused. I find the meetings more efficient. I find the communication clearer. And for the majority of people, they're enjoying being at home, although, you know, scared about what, you know, the, the situation. Not everybody's enjoying being at home because some people do see that the home is not a place to work and maybe some of them are uh, living in less ideal situations. Um, But I don't know, maybe...
2: maybe, But it requires different skills all of a sudden. You have to develop different sides of of your skill set that previously you didn't have to. I mean, if someone is a strong communicator and he likes to talk to people all day long, now he has to do that on different platforms. He can talk to people all day long and instruct and take instructions and take good information. Yeah, yeah, But it's just in a different way. Yeah. Interestingly, the, the person in the office who would be the chatterbox all day long talking about other people's weddings would now be the person <laughs> sitting on Facebook all day long looking at other people's weddings. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of the, the same personality, but a diff, different way of communication. No, it's a, a the person outlet. like I have, one guy in particular in Hanoi, one, one person who is an absolute superstar. He's sitting there pretty much by himself with a small group of other people and he produces unbelievable stuff and he doesn't ask me questions, he doesn't need instructions, he just needs to know this is the deadline, this is the brief and run. And he comes up with the best kind of output ever. You know, people are just different. Some people need more guidance than others. Yeah, yeah. But I think an office like mine and yours is all about having, you know, reflecting the diversity of personalities and and genders and orientations and interests.
1: Creator of the Business of Architecture and Design podcast, blogs, conferences and videos, Content Brains can assist you with all of your content needs. We will work with you to develop content that inspires, educates and connects. For more information, visit the episode notes in this podcast for a link to our website. I
0: think there's something to be said for, you know, we've, we've, a lot of us have worked together for 17 years physically, as I said earlier, the people, everybody in the business we spend a lot of time with physically, the difference is, so we, we really know each other pretty well, you know, versus if we were all to start today and we're all remote, it would be such a different relationship. It'd be such a different connection with the brand. You know, maybe, you know, going forward, it's like these people who you're working with remotely may not be, they might be working remotely for other people as well at the same time. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's it's a very different cultural scenario.
2: It's interesting, isn't it? I just got uh, called earlier about an internship. And I said, I'm not sure if this is a good time for an internship, you know, if we're going to work from home for probably the next three months. Mm. And she said, the candidate doesn't care. He still wants to be interviewed. <laughs> and I said, well, but I don't know him, you know, I've never met him, da da da, da. But I think it's an interesting test to see, can you actually have your first uh, online intern? You know, wherever he sits, he's in, I think, in Kensington, but he could be anywhere in the world, and he wants to do an internship with Lava. Yeah. What would that mean in the digital age? Mm-hmm. How often do we connect? What yeah. do we expect? What can you contribute? Yeah. How do I manage information? How do I share information with them? All those things. It's interesting.
0: No, it's really interesting. Hey, Chris, tell me about your most memorable project and why it was so.
2: I think yesterday I spoke about this project for the at debauchee. That was pretty memorable because it was such a lightweight, temporary project mm-hmm. with a low budget, low fee. But it was so transformative.
0: Okay. Well, I think and you did. We'll just. We'll just, for, we'll just cut, yeah, let's just cut that out. And let's just use the <coughs> one we talked about uh, previously. Because yeah. that, that's a good example of that.
2: Yeah,
0: okay. because we spoke about it a lot, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah cool. Which So, what, what about yours? Yeah. I mean, often the, the most memorable is not the biggest. It's sometimes the, the one that touches you most, isn't
0: it? Yeah, it's really interesting. I was going to say my life <laughs> or my business or my kids. I don't know. I don't have such a... I, I feel like often... what I often say is that the project we're working on now or the projects we're working on now are the ones that I think are the most special because they weren't yeah. there yesterday. They were, they're were they new today and they we didn't know they were coming potentially and they are... you get excited about the, the potential of a project and opportunity and the connection with the client and their organization or the customers and all that stuff. So I find I often say it's what we're working on now is 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 what's most memorable uh, for me or most important. There's a, you know there's a few projects over the years you've done and you feel right really you know maybe the the industry's recognised that as a real standout. But for me, it's just an, an evolution. It's just part of uh, an ongoing kind of quest to do good things. Uh, which does which architect or designer living or which architect or designer living or dead would you love to have a dinner with and why?
2: I was asked this question 10 years ago about the two people I would love to meet in life. And I said Toyo Ito and Slash from Guns N' Roses. <laughs> <laughs> and Toyo Ito is like this super humble uh, architect who does beautiful designs really carefully and really intuitively. And I actually had dinner with him. He doesn't talk much but uh he's just a wonderful person to be around wow and uh slash uh, the guitarist of guns N' roses I had the pleasure of meeting when he launched his uh, solo career in a club in melbourne and somehow i think one of the lighting designers invited me kind of backstage <laughs> that was a pretty interesting experience from a completely different angle wow
0: that's cool i think
2: i it's it's amazing times where you can be very close to people that you admire through their podcast, through their videos, through their live streaming, and so on. I think like 100 years ago, if you had tried to get close to Frank Lloyd Wright, there would have been only one way to join the practice. But yeah. now you can find out anything about any creative. And I actually spend a lot of time, I mean, rather than watching Netflix or something, I would watch interesting documentaries about people I admire, about their lives, about their ideas, about their projects.
0: There's, there's, a, there's a designer who I met recently in New York called Fabian Baron, who had designed... He was the art director of Italian Vogue. He'd done Interview Magazine, Arena out of London. He'd done, I think, French Vogue as well. He's French, but I've been in New York for a very long time. And he's done all the major, you know, Calvin Klein, you know, the brand and the perfume bottles, and he's designed furniture... And I've always said that he was one of my heroes, and even though he's only, you know, he might be like five years older than me. The guy is prolific and very kind of relatively low profile for being such an incredible talent. It kind of looked like to me that he just really focused on the work and incredible quality and rigor and just a, a beautiful eye on everything that he does. And I was reached out to him when I was in New York in November, uh, not last year, the year before, just hoping that I could see him and hopefully that I could interview him in my podcast. And he, he initially didn't respond to any of my emails and then I kind of didn't give up and I tried emailing his uh, reception and I didn't hear back. And then I kind of worked out someone who used to work for him as a junior designer and I tried that approach and I finally got a response. And... It was really cool, just really cool to kind of go to his office, sit down for an hour and have a chat about his work. And it was kind of funny. It was the first time I've kind of been a bit kind of starstruck with a designer. And it's probably a bit, some people probably think that's a bit pathetic. But I always just always held him in such high regard. And I still do to this day. And as I said, I just thought, I was just mesmerized by the, the range of things that he's done and the diversity. And just the, the ongoing quality, which is the consistency of that, is very impressive. Because often, I mean, some people say that designers or kind of designers that get to a certain level, they tend to have a 10-year window, whereas someone like him, Fabian, has, has, has yeah. managed to keep it going for his whole career. And it's interesting, too, that he started off in magazine design. And I, I, I kind of started off doing quite a bit of magazines as well. But It is interesting. He started off magazine design, but he ends up designing perfume bottles, designs furniture. I think he does interiors. He does directs films, photography. You know, it just shows to to me that you can evolve and grow as an individual and not just get stuck in one particular sector. Yeah, you because know, and how was he as a person? He was a bit cautious with me in the beginning. I, I could sense. It's funny we have a very we have very similar glasses and we both have bald heads, so it was a bit of a funny photograph. And we we're both wearing black T-shirts at the time, typical designer gear. But it was it was interesting because he, he his father was a editorial designer as well. My dad was a letterpress printer. and worked on newspapers, so there's, there's kind of similar stories. And also we talked about how the technologies changed and how that's influenced uh, what we've done, what we do. He was just in the process of putting together his 400 page or 500 page uh, book on his you know, recent book on his work with Fiden, which I believe was launched end of last year, which is incredible. So, uh, yeah, it's a very, it's always nice to meet a, as someone that you respect and admire and find out that they're just a real person.
2: No, they're just on the real person. Uh, now that we're all stuck at home, uh, I find it quite interesting how sometimes the real people come, come out of the woodwork, you know? And Nicole Kidman, who's the most amazing actress, from Australia and married to this country music star. So, <laughs> all of a sudden, I was on some Facebook page, mm. Keith Urban, yes, where he was playing guitar and streaming from his home studio. And Nicole Kidman was kind of walking in, singing with him, dancing around, but kind of fooling around, you know, they were stuck at home and bored. <laughs> so, he was playing guitar and she was fooling around. It was just so cute to see that in this current situation. It kind of doesn't matter who you are and what you are, and we're all in the same boat, and we're all doing our thing. And uh, that made them actually a lot uh, more sympathetic than they've ever been to me.
0: Yeah, I think people are learning to, to drop the facade, you know, trying to, maybe people are being more real or discovering how to be more real or who they are. Anyways, it's been really good to catch up, Chris. we got to wrap this up. But I'm looking forward to uh, hearing it all come together. You know, We both had diff- very different journeys, but they're very similar in a lot of ways.
2: Yeah, great to talk to you, Vince. It's always a pleasure, and I hope we can catch up in real life sometime soon.
0: Yeah, let's go for a motorbike ride together. I enjoy that. Yeah.
1: Thank you for joining us for this special series with Chris Boss and Vince Frost, and a very big thank you to both of them for sharing their time and their journey through the business of architecture and design. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us. If you want further details on our podcast or our guests, please visit the episode notes in this podcast. And if you enjoy listening, please rate us. It helps others like you to find us more easily. The Business of Architecture and Design is produced by Joanne Davies, Head of Content Brains and publisher of Architectural Review and Australian Design Review. Madeleine Swain, editor of Content Brains and Tilly Bensley-Netheim, editor of Architectural Review and Australian Design Review Architecture.